Well, here we are. It is the recording is being done on nine eight twenty two. Uh, it has been a bit since we have gotten together and talked about these doors of the universe that we need to open. Um, on my part, I've just been busy, busy, but with all good things, all good things. Well, not yes. With all things that are good. Um, yeah, no, it's uh, it's been a couple weeks. Our last episode, we went in and talked about the Foo Fighters of World War II. Um, speaking of Foo Fighters, they just had their tribute concert to Taylor Hawkins, who has passed away recently. Got to see his son and his skills, following in his father's footsteps with some uh, pretty solid drum playing. But no, yeah, the Foo Fighters of World War II. Uh, the lights in the skies that we have no explanation for. But lots, lots happened since last week. Um, 9822, the Queen is dead. Um, yeah, Queen of England. No longer Prince Charles, now King Charles. So if you're still into all that monarchy crap... Um, I don't know. I just never understood the point of it. Um, I know a lot of people really get into it and stuff and I don't know. It's just, just never really was much interest to me. Um, but maybe I'm just too much of a commoner, I guess. Either way, the queen passed away today. Um, I was gone for, I took a little, a much needed mental health, uh, uh, recharge, get out there with nature. And, uh, me and my girlfriend went out to, uh, Diamond Lake, uh, Diamond Lake. It's about an hour from Crater Lake in Oregon, um, but we wanted to do some, actually, she brought it up and asked if I would like join. And I said, yes, I have never been much of a camper. This is the first time I've gone camping sober. So that was fun. That's another thing. Um, on the, on the fifth, I hit my six year sober mark. So that was, uh, another thing that I didn't really celebrate or post about or anything i don't even know why i'm bringing up now but uh yeah so six years um yeah if you're struggling there is help out there there are people that care there are groups that are willing to help you um my personal recommendation is recovery dharma that was the group that helped me get sober um started in AA and came across Recovery Dharma and felt it was a better fit for what I wanted out of my sobriety um, experience, my recovery, I guess, recovery experience. Um, but yeah, there's, there's a ton of options out there. If you're looking, um, there are, there are people that care and there are groups that are willing to help you help yourself, which I guess in the end of the day, that's the biggest thing, helping yourself get sober. Um, 
but yeah, if you ever want to talk sobriety, reach out. Um, that's something I'm will- always willing to talk with people about. I know my life has been better since then, since getting sober um, in a multitude of facets. Um, but yeah, enough about that. Back to camping. <laughs> so we went out to Diamond Lake. They have lakefront camping sites, um, set up the tent, brought out the propane, uh, grill or butane, sorry, the butane grill, um, got that all set up. We assumed there would be a fire ban with as bad as the fire, it's fire season right now in Oregon. And we assumed there'd be a fire ban, but there was no fire ban. So first day we went there we used the grill and we're like what's everybody doing with uh, all these fires around here <laughs> i was like but uh yeah the second day we went back and talked to park rangers and they said as long as it's within your um within the caged in area of the fire pit and you keep an eye on it you can have a fire and then yesterday we went out for a bike ride somewhere else and looked at another park and that one uh they had a fire ban there so i don't know and we just got well my girlfriend's got a notification today saying that we may have to shut off electricity for 12 to 24 hours um because of the height of the um fire severity right now um which she was mentioning to me how the last I don't know if it was last year, because I just got out here in February. She was saying in, I think it was last year, she said that even the uh, the house we're in what smelt like smoke on the inside. Like, that's how bad the fires were. Like, and I remember her, I didn't even know it was a thing you could do, but if you look on your iPhone weather, it'll give you the air quality information. And it was just terrible out here in Portland. Um but yeah, that's, uh, so yeah, had a great time camping though. All that, <laughs> that all the constant, yeah, connections to everything else in my head are always there. And which is why it took me about 45 minutes, even just to get this started today. Um, yeah, I should probably get, I am going I'm done saying I should probably. I'm going to go get that checked. I talked about it. I'm setting up with a therapist and talking more about it with my doctor. Um, yeah, mental health. That is, whew, six years sober. Got to keep your mental health in check. <laughs> that is that is a big part of my sobriety is my mental health. And when it, it's, yeah, that's that's what affects everything else, I think. In my opinion, that's how, like, everything is connected. That's where... The addiction starts and everything else and the coping, hold coping mechanisms and all that fun stuff. Um, but yeah, got to check out Crater Lake. Crater Lake was, like I said, Diamond Lake is where we camped. Crater Lake was an hour away from Diamond Lake. Um, a couple cool facts. It is the, the deepest lake in the United States and it is the ninth deepest lake in the world so right here in oregon um and in the center of the lake there is an island 
called Wizard Island. Um, so that was pretty cool. Um, <laughs> thing is, like, it's a volcanic lake. Um, so to get down to Wizard Island, you have to go down 700 feet um, from basically, I guess, ground level or not ground level from where around the outer edge of the lake, the, the, the crust of the lake. Um, yeah, there's like a 700 foot drop down all the way around it. Cause it is a volcanic lake. It is the deepest volcanic lake in the world. Um, but yeah, wizard Island. So our goal next time, because you have to go down 700 feet in one mile, it's going down. That's whatever. But a 700 foot elevation in like a mile and a half. That's 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 a trek back up and a trek we weren't quite we quite ready for this trip. But um, got to take the bikes out. Um, bicycles, bicycles. You know, no confusion here. We've been doing a little more bicycle riding lately and going to trails and stuff. We did a 13 mile ride yesterday, so that was along the Columbia River which was pretty nice. It was a, it was a beautiful drive. Columbia River and one of the Google campuses. But, yeah, so there was that. That was what took up a good chunk of me not recording. That was, which was, I'm totally okay with taking a break from recording if I am giving myself a little mental, physical recharge. Um, nice little break from work, too. Um... But yeah, what else happened? So the queen's dead. I went camping. And I saw spaceships. Okay, so I didn't see spaceships, but it really looked like a spaceship. So I'm at work, right? I work overnights and I'm looking. At, uh, weirdest thing. Okay, so I'm sitting outside. I, I work in a shelter setting. Everyone else is in their units in bed. My coworker, it's me and one other coworker that night. The coworker is in the office hanging out. I I like to post up when it's warm enough. I like to just kind of post up outside, be out there if anybody needs anything, if anybody needs to come to me or whatever, ask for questions or has something. I'm more accessible. I'm not hidden away in the office. Um, but so I'm facing the north. Think the north. No, I'm facing the south. So yeah, I'm facing southwards, sitting out there at one of our picnic tables we've got outside. Um, and for some reason, I decide to look over my shoulder, and all I see is this long strand of lights. I'm guessing around maybe thirty to forty sets of lights that are in the sky in a straight line and they are slowly like just moving slowly upwards further up in the sky just keep going up um and they're moving relatively slow but they are moving like it's totally noticeable that they're moving and there's nothing else around them it's not just a grouping of stars or anything there is they're in a straight line together and there's movement and I just see them slowly go higher and higher until like one by one they hit a certain point, which I'm assuming they just just start getting out of sight of the atmosphere and everything and just 
one by one each light just slowly disappears and I'm like what did I just see I was so freaked out that I did film it I was like nobody's gonna believe me if I say this is what I saw this is this was out there and everybody nobody else saw this nobody I, I didn't have any corroborating 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 I didn't have any corroborating witnesses with me in the vicinity and I was too like in awe to go grab my other co-worker and be like, hey, do you see this? Is this? I'm not going crazy, right? Um, so yeah, and which it is on the TikTok and Instagram. Um, it's actually my highest viewed TikTok video. <laughs> it's on TikTok and Instagram. Um, I did get it on film. <sighs> so I'm freaking out. Message my friends, message my girlfriend. And it's like, what did I just witness? And uh, my girlfriend messaged me back about 25 minutes, half hour later. And it's like, sends me an article about the Elon Musk Starlink uh, satellites, which I knew he was doing something outside of the... Uh, I thought he was doing something outside of the rockets. I knew he was doing the rockets and everything. And I watched those launches and everything. But I didn't realize he was doing a satellite thing. And then sent that. If you want to believe that's what it was, you can believe that's what it was. But we know better. No. Um, if Elon Musk isn't an alien sent here to give us his wisdom, then what is he? I don't know. He's a mogul billionaire trillionaire is he a trillionaire yet he's on his way there either way so yeah the starlink is supposed to be a bunch of satellites that are sent up into space and offer um cheaper more accessible internet to parts of the world that can't get it um i even like i believe it's going to be offered even like to uh rural areas in the country where there's not fiber optics isn't ran out there and um yeah because you can get a hold of a satellite easier than you can get a hold of running fiber optics out there whatever but either way i don't like the thought of having even more space junk floating around because i know like he sent out a bunch already i think the number was it was either 2400 or 4200 total he's wanting to send out um I like the premise, like what it's supposed to be, but then there's also talk of China wanting to do the same thing. And then we got all these satellites just floating around in space that are just creating more and more space junk and possibly just, I don't know. I think it has a possibility to be a good thing, but at the same time, I think it has a possibility to be a bad thing. And I don't know, you know, satellites, that's a, seems like they can do do more than provide just a little internet. You know what I'm saying, brother? 5G. Are you hearing me? Are you here? I'm just kidding. I'm not one of the 5G people. Um, I like my fast internet. But either way, let's get in. So that's that's a recap of everything that's gone on since I've been gone. Um, a lot of cool things, a lot of good things, a lot of fun things. But yeah, check out that. Check out the video. Tell me you're not freaked out when you look at this video. Um if you hadn't heard of the Starlink 
um, yeah, Starlink satellites. So yeah, hopefully it's a good thing and it just ends up with us having some more internet for people that want it, that need it. Information is power and there are a lot of people that don't have power. Um, yeah, let's get the information out to everybody. The world deserves to know. The world deserves to have anxiety like me all the time and just be constantly worried about everything going on because of the constant influx of information. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Alright, let us talk about this week's episode. This week it it might be it's probably gonna be a shorter episode. I kept postponing, kept pushing off doing an episode because I didn't feel like I was full prepared or ready because I had the option I was going to do this one, this current subject, and another one together, but I think we'll do it two separate parts. Um, well, we're going to do it two separate parts because I haven't done enough research on the second part of this yet. Um, so we're going to go with the... Let's talk about the last episode we talked about the Foo Fighters of World War II, which were the lights in the sky, and to some it was the initial sightings of what we believe to be UFOs. Or as we call them now, UAPs, Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon. But we had those which happened, let's see, so that was around 1945, I think, nope. Yeah, uh, yeah, I think it was around 1945 when that was ending, because it was happening before, but either way, this brings us up to 1947, you're like, what's going on on 1947? Well, 1947, um, we get introduced to a gentleman by the name of Kenneth Arnold, um, he's a pilot. And he lives in the Pacific Northwest. And can I just say, like, the more I do, uh, like, cryptid and alien research and everything, the more happy I am that I get to live in the Pacific Northwest. And I get to hang out in places where a lot of, a lot of this phenomena has been going on. Um... No, it's just, it's, it's, it seems like the Pacific Northwest is a very, uh, integral part in a lot of the, uh, the unexplainable, but either way, let's get into this one. So, um, the first well-known UFO sighting and like when I say UFO sighting, I'm talking UFO sighting as in what we know UFO sightings today, um, the Foo Fighters were slightly different because they didn't seem to be um, aircraft, or um, they seemed to be more just balls of light. Like, um, yeah, this is this is the first. Well, I'm sure there's been more in the past, but this was when the modern era of UFO sightings kind of began. Um, so the first well-known UFO sighting occurred in 1947 when businessman Kenneth Arnold claimed to see a group of nine high-speed objects near Mount Rainier in Washington while flying his small plane. Arnold estimated the speed of the crescent-shaped objects as several thousand miles per hour 
and that they moved like saucers skipping on water. In the newspaper report that followed, it was mistakenly stated that the objects were saucer-shaped, hence the term flying saucer. So, we all know the, the usual circular alien cartoon, alien spacecraft you'll see with the flashing lights and the big circle. So what Kenneth Arnold here is claiming he saw were crescent-shaped. Um, he does have a book that you can look at with a picture kind of depicting what he saw. Um, yeah, more crescent-shaped, like crescent moon-shaped than uh, circular in shape, which is where we got our term flying saucer from before UFO, before UAP. Um, so the sighting happened on June 24th, 1947. Um, Arnold was flying from Chehalis, Washington to Yakima, Washington in a Cal Air A2 on a business trip. Um, he made a brief detour after learning of a $5,000 reward, equivalent to $61,000 today, for the discovery of a U.S. Marine Corps C-46 transport airplane that had crashed near Mount Rainier. The skies were completely clear, and there was a mild wind. A few minutes before 3 p.m., at about 9,200 feet, in altitude, at about 9,200 feet in altitude and near Mineral, Washington, he gave up his search and started heading to eastwards towards Yakima. He saw a bright flashing light, similar to sunlight reflecting from a mirror. Afraid he might be dangerously close to an aircraft, Arnold scanned the skies around him, but all he could see was a DC-4 to his left and behind him about 15 miles away. About 30 seconds after seeing the first flash of light, Arnold saw a series of bright flashes in the distance off to his left or north of Mount Rainier, which was then from 20 to 25 miles away. He thought they might be reflections on his airplane's windows, but a few quick tests, rocking his airplane from side to side, removing his eyeglasses, later rolling down his side window, ruled this out. The reflections came from flying objects. They flew in a long chain, and Arnold, for a moment, considered they might be a flock of geese, but quickly ruled this out for a number of reasons, including the altitude, bright glint, and obviously very fast speed. He then thought they might be a new type of jet and started intently looking for a tail and was surprised that he couldn't find any. They quickly approached Rainier and then passed in front, usually appearing dark in profile against the bright white snowfield covering Rainier but occasionally still giving off bright light flashes as they flipped around erratically. Sometimes he said he could see them on edge when they seemed so thin and flat they were practically invisible. According to Jerome Clark, Arnold described them as a series of objects with convex shapes, though he later revealed that one object differed by being crescent-shaped. Several years later, Arnold would state he likened their movement to saucers skipping on water without comparing their actual shapes to saucers. But initial quotes from him do indeed have him comparing the shape to a saucer, disc, pie pan, or half moon, or generally convex and thin. Using a Desus cowling fastener as a gauge to compare the nine objects to the distant DC-4, Arnold estimated their angular size as slightly smaller than the DC-4, about the width between the outer engines, about 60 feet, 
Arnold also said he realized that the objects would have to be quite large to see any details at that distance, and later, after comparing notes with a United Airlines crew that had a similar sighting 10 days later, placed the absolute size as larger than a DC-4 airliner, or greater than 100 feet in length. Army Air Force analysts would later estimate 140 to 280 feet, based on an analysis of human visual acuity and other sighting details such as estimated distance. All right, so Arnold's out here. He's uh, flying around. He's looking for a little uh, little reward on the side, looking for a crashed um, U.S. Marine Corps transport, um, looking for that $5,000 reward. From what I've read, Arnold was a um, seasoned pilot, he had done multiple flights around the Pacific Northwest. He knew the area well. Like That's why he was able to just go off and do a search for the ship outside of his normal flight. Um, but yeah, he's flying out there, sees these crafts coming around, um, gauging them, knows they're not geese. I like how he decided they weren't geese because of their... Their altitude, their bright glint, and the very fast speed. I've never seen a goose fly that fast. But ducks fly together. Ducks fly. Hey, do you know why um, when you look up and you see a uh, flock of geese flying in the air? No, I can't I ruin that. Uh, ducks fly together. So you know when you look up in the sky and you see a, uh, a V of ducks flying together? Do you know why one side is always longer than the other? Because there's more ducks on that side. Arnold said the objects were grouped together, as Ted Blocher writes, in a diagonally stepped down echelon formation, stretched out over a distance that he would later calculate it to be five miles. Though they were moving on a more or less horizontal plane, Arnold said the objects weaved from side to side, like the tail of a Chinese kite, as he later stated. Darting through, unlike the lights in the sky for the Starlink satellites, which were in a very straight line, these were these were all over. They were all wibbly wobbly, um, darting through the valleys and around the smaller peaks. They would occasionally flip or bank on their edges in unison as they turned or maneuvered, causing almost blindingly bright or mirror-like flashes of light. The encounter gave him an eerie feeling. But Arnold suspected that he had seen test flights of a new U.S. military aircraft. As a pilot, yeah, I might, I might assume that in the same way that I'm seeing these aircrafts that I've never seen before. Um, and they are flying at amazing speeds with, uh, with some pretty, pretty good maneuverability, no tell on them. Sounds like U.S. aircraft to me. That's, that's just me. But as the objects passed Mount Rainier, Arnold turned his plane southward on a more or less parallel course. It was at this point that he opened his side window and began observing the objects unobstructed by any glass that might've produced reflections. 
According to Arnold, the objects did not disappear and continued to move very rapidly southward, continuously moving forward of his position. Curious about their speed, he began to time their rate of passage. He said they moved from Mount Rainier to Mount Adams, where they faded from view a distance of about 50 miles in 1 minute and 42 seconds, according to the clock on his instrument panel, when he later had time to do the calculation, the speed was over 1,700 miles per hour, 2,700 kilometers per hour for all my non-American friends. Uh, this was about three times faster than any manned aircraft in 1947. Not knowing exactly the distance where the objects faded from, view... Not knowing exactly the distance where the objects faded from view, Arnold conservatively and arbitrarily rounded this down to 1,200 miles, 1,900 kilometers, an hour, still faster than any known aircraft which had yet to break the sound barrier. So yeah, here we go, 1,700, he's guessing 1,700, and then dropping it down to a conservative... 1,200 miles per hour. Still 1,200 miles per hour. Let's see how fast a normal airplane goes. Okay, so he's seeing this, these planes that are flying at around 1,200, he's saying conservatively 1,200 miles per hour. When we're looking at, I'm, uh, looking up trying to figure out uh, how fast airplanes go um as a general rule airplanes can fly from 550 to 580 miles per hour those planes go at about twice the speed of a normal airplane at takeoff planes go 160 to 180 and when landing 150 to 165 miles per hour um but yeah big commercial planes generally fly in the 550 to 580 range mile per hour. While we do have military planes, such as the SR-71, which set a record in 1976 when it flew at a very impressive speed of more than 2,100 miles per hour. However, this isn't as fast as it can go, even though the maximum speed is classified, so it's something we'll never know. Uh, but yeah, the SR-71 Lockheed Blackbird, which I remember as a kid, my brother had a poster of one of these in his room. Cool looking plane. I'll, uh, I'll post it up on, on the Instagram and Twitter. Um, but yeah, so he's seeing these planes that are going, especially for the time, extremely fast. Um, yeah. Um. Yeah. So he's seeing these planes that are going extremely fast, especially for that time period. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely something that you take notice of, especially even as a seasoned pilot, like, Hey, this isn't the norm. The shape of these are not normal. The speed of these are not normal. Um, but I would see, yeah, it was kind of interesting, like the tail of a Chinese kite, he later stated. So they're kind of just, they're flying in formation, but a little, a little wobbly. But he also did say, like, that's where the term flying saucer comes from. They were flying in a manner that was a little, a little bouncy. Um, so it looked like you were skipping a saucer across the, uh, a lake. 
Why well, wouldn't say just skipping a flat stone across the lake or something? I don't know. Either skipping a stone. Skipping a stone. Um, so let's talk about him telling his story. Let's go to the press. When Arnold landed in Yakima, he described what he had seen to a number of his pilot friends, who suggested that maybe he had seen guided missiles or a new airplane being secretly developed by the United States Army. After refueling, he continued on his way to an air show in Pendleton, Oregon. He was first interviewed by reporters the next day, June 25th, when he went to the office of the East Oregonian in Pendleton. Any skepticism the reporters might have harbored evaporated when they interviewed Arnold at length, as historian Mike Dash records. Arnold had the makings of a reliable witness. He was a respected businessman and experienced pilot, and seemed to be neither exaggerating what he had seen nor adding sensational details to his report. He also gave the impression of being a careful observer. These details impressed the newspapermen who interviewed him, and lent credibility to his report. Speaking to a reporter for the Associated Press, Arnold said, This whole thing has gotten out of hand. I want to talk to the FBI or someone. Half the people look at me as a combination of Einstein, Flash Gordon, and Screwball. I wonder what my wife back in Idaho thinks. So yeah, the uh, like I said, he was a seasoned pilot. Um, didn't add a lot of pizzazz to his story so he seemed more more of a credible witness um and yeah seemed more of a credible witness so it was easier for them to believe him and it it, it leads future people to future people hearing his story also to find more credibility in him um just because he wasn't, he didn't seem like somebody that was just out there and like didn't have a lot of experience with other flying with other aircraft and whatnot. But so yeah, corroboration. The Oregon Journal of Portland reported on July fourth receiving a letter from an L.G. Bernier of Richland, Washington, about 110 miles or 180 kilometers east of Mount Adams, and 140 miles or 230 kilometers southeast of Mount Rainier. Bernier wrote that he had seen Bernier. I gotta I gotta look up his name, make sure I'm pronouncing it right. LG Bernier. So as we're going through this and we're doing this podcast, I sometimes do searches mid mid podcast to um to figure out Either A, how to pronounce things, that's the biggest. Um, B, look into more like information regarding the subject. Like for this episode, I did the the aeroplanes, seeing how fast they fly and everything. Um, but I use EcoAsia, which is great because with the searches, I don't know exactly how it works. I've looked into it before and it makes sense. They, they explain it. You can look it up on their page of it when you do searches through their search engine, they plant trees through that search. But half the time I usually end up going and just searching for Google on EcoAsia, just so I'm doing at least one search through there because their search engine is not as good as Google. I'll be honest. Um, but Google is also another, 
Google's a phenomenal search engine. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll just leave it at that. Ask Jeeves, help me. Um, what am I looking up here? All right, so I'm not finding it. We'll just go. We'll say the gentleman's name is LG Bernier. It's B-E-R-N-I-E-R. He's from Richland, Washington. You can look him up. If you do a search for the name, you'll find articles. All right, so corroboration. The Oregon Journal of Portland reported on July 4th receiving a letter from an L.G. Bernier of Richland, Washington, about 110 miles or 180 kilometers east of Mount Adams and 140 miles, 230 kilometers southeast of Mount Rainier. Bernier wrote that he saw three of the strange objects over Richland flying almost edgewise toward Mount Rainier about one half hour before Arnold. Bernier thought that the three were part of a larger formation. He indicated that they were traveling at high speed. I've seen a P-38 appear seemingly on one horizon and then gone to the opposite horizon in no time at all. But these discs certainly were traveling faster than any P-38. Maximum speed of a P-38 was about 440 miles an hour. No doubt Mr. Arnold saw them just a few minutes or seconds later according to their speed. The previous day, Bernier had also spoken to his local newspaper, the Richland Washington Villager, and was among the first witnesses to suggest extraterrestrial origins. I believe it may be a visitor from another planet. About 60 miles or 97 kilometers west-northwest of Richland in Yakima, Washington, a woman named Ethel Wheelhouse likewise reported sighting several flying discs moving at fantastic speeds at around the same time as Arnold's sighting. When military intelligence began investigating Arnold's sightings in early July, they found yet another witness from the area, a member of the Washington State Forest Service who had been on fire watch at a tower in Diamond Gap, about 20 miles, 32 kilometers, south of Yakima. Reported seeing flashes, flashes, in parentheses, at 3 p.m., on the 24th over Mount Rainier, or exactly the same time as Arnold's sighting. That appeared to be moving, that appeared to move in a straight line. Similarly, at 3 p.m., Sidney B. Gallagher in Washington State, exact position unspecified, reported seeing nine shiny disks flash by to the north. Other Seattle area newspapers also reported other sightings of flashing, rapidly moving unknown objects on the same day but not the same time as Arnold's sightings. Most of these sightings were over Seattle or west of Seattle in the town of Bremerton, either that morning or the night. Move to Bremerton, MXPX. If you're looking for some good pop punk, get into it. Maybe they can serve themselves punk. I don't know, but I saw my career on an episode of a house buying show. That's a lot of bit of, a lot of, bit of info right there just because I saw Bremerton, but Move to Bremerton was one of my favorite songs by MXPX. Either way, the primary corroborative sighting, however, occurred 10 days later, July 4th, when a United Airlines crew over Idaho en route to Seattle also spotted five to nine disc-like objects that paced their plane for 10 to 15 minutes before suddenly disappearing. So that is 
the story of Kenneth Arnold and the Mount Rainier sightings on June 24th, 1947. It is a, uh, I think what makes it so credible is the fact that there were so many corroborations with, um, Kenneth Arnold's story. Um, unlike some other ones, we don't really have the, the government saying, ah, no, that's not what it looks like. I mean, that may have been what it looked like, but that's not what it was. Kind of discrediting Arnold. But, yeah, it's, uh. It's an interesting beginning to this journey of ours going towards the next, I mean, towards Project Blue Book. Um, all the things leading up to us getting to Project Blue Book, which is, like I said originally, what this, what originally the episode I wanted to do was that, and then I just, all these other things just start popping up, and it's like, ah, gotta include that, gotta include that. Um, but yeah, next week... Or not next week. Next episode, we will be going into one that's a little more well-known by everybody. Um, and one that I had the privilege of being able to go and visit the city it happened in on my move out here. And actually stayed in um, the city of Roswell, New Mexico. ba 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 but yeah, we'll go into Roswell a little more next episode. Um, just, it's, I don't know. The more I read, the more I believe um, that there is other life outside of our own in this universe. Um, this place is just way too big to just house us humans that are just, I mean, I'm sure there's been other places that have already destroyed their planet and uh <laughs> i don't know i have hope for the human race and some days i just don't think it's there but each day we keep showing up and we keep hoping to make our circle of influence better which will eventually hopefully spread out as our circle of influence influences other circles of influence which influence other circles of influence keep a pma positive mental attitude that's that's all i've got to say but we'll go ahead and close up this uh this episode i'm gonna do it i'm gonna do like i always say i'm gonna do because i cannot figure out how to <laughs> minimize this and pull up the notes that pull up the notes that have the uh socials on there so i'm gonna tell you we got link tree don't know what Linktree is. It's that little, the top, the the bottom of everybody's, every influencer's page, there's a little thing that says Linktree, L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E. But our Linktree is L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E backslash D-O-T-U podcast. Um, On there, you can find all of our social medias, um, Instagram, Twitter, Patreon, Everywhere, uh, link to Spotify page, our Apple podcast, all the, all the things you need to know. I got an Amazon wish list on there. Buy me things. Come on. You know, you want to, um, but no, it's just a list of everywhere you can find us on social media, which please like follow, subscribe, whatever you can do there. Um, it's appreciated. It helps the, the podcast grow. Um, 
so reach more people do this thing with more people that uh more people that are on the same wavelengths as us right in the same wavelengths um but yeah there is if you want to support this podcast financially there is always the option to do that through patreon or um you can send me directly through venmo um dotu podcast that is that is the podcast venmo um anything's appreciated i'm the only thing i'm there's a couple things i'm needing right now but um yeah if you can donate and times are tough all right the the world is really weird right now um some of y'all are doing good some of y'all are struggling i get that i'm asking you don't give anything if you're in a place where you can't give right now but if you can't give if you're a place you're doing well and you're like hey i want to support this podcast i like this podcast i like what they're doing i like what's being put out there it's this is fun let's uh yeah feel free to send directly on venmo at dotu podcast or patreon or through anchor fm um all the links are on there i don't think i normally put the I don't think I have the Venmo normal in the link tree, which I don't know if that's something I can add, but I'm going to look into it now that I've brought it up. Um, but yeah, if you could donate, help a brother out. This is, uh, this is something I enjoy doing, something I enjoy making for you. And I'd like to get more gear equipment to make the podcast even better than it already is. Um, but I'm not going to drag this out because I always drag it out. But I'm not doing it today. I'm letting, we're all getting out of here quick. Um, so thank you for listening. Check us out. Link L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E backslash D-O-T-U podcast. Um, it is on all of our social medias too. At the, You'll find a link for the link tree. Um, but yeah, thanks for listening. And... We'll see you in a couple of weeks. Hopefully. <laughs> we'll see you the next time I release an episode. And uh, keep an eye to the sky. And uh, watch out for some crescent-shaped crescent-shaped aircrafts that look like saucers skipping across the water around Mount Rainier. See you all next time.